When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I know, but it is. It's a lot. Not only is it a lot, I'm like sniffling. I like need tissues. This was like, I mean, I was sobbing the whole time. It feels weird coming onto the podcast and being like, what up? Like, let's talk euphoria and get drunk. When I'm like, well, that's my role. Coming out of like sobbing. What up? Welcome to the podcast. Let's get drunk. <laughs> Let's talk about euphoria. I need a drink of cooks. Yeah. To nurse my depression. But like. Uh, I didn't find. I found that one of the least depressing episodes of the season. At uh, least of the last few. Not. Emotional is a better word. Not. I'm not depressed, but. A lot of relatable shit for me in that episode. So I walked away yes. from that being like. Woo! Just like tear street like i'm not kidding like actual like sobbing was going on oh i held it together but but yeah 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 pour me some cooks okay so (laughs) well here we go you know with this one this one this one to a a great season an amazing season and to the cast and to our listeners and to 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 the listeners to meatball to Ethan, to Lexi. And, and you know, really, uh, we have to pour one out over here on the side for our boy, R.I.P. Ashtray. Oh, no, don't even say that. Pour one out to. for poor sweet Ashtray. Ugh, poor mine. That's so sad. Why'd you have to open with that? Now I'm going to start crying again. Well, we're pouring drinks. You have to pour one out I for know, the... we do. The dearly departed. You're right, the dearly departed. Well, I will cheers to, oh my god, that's so fucked up. I was going to say a long life lived by Ashtray, but wow, no, not long at all. <laughs> like the <laughs> wow. shortest life yeah, ever. A short life of crime okay. and treachery. Short life, but like Just lived to the fullest. Yeah, he sure did live it to the fullest and he went out guns blazing. He went out. Cheers. Cheers to Ashtray. And, yeah. Cheers to one of my favorite characters. I know, how do you... Oh, I didn't even think of that. Ashtray, like, you're quoted on the podcast saying Ashtray's your favorite character, like... He was my first favorite character. Before we got so much Fez that, you know, I loved him so much, I just loved little Ashtray sitting in the back being the weird, unexplained child drug dealer. The possible Nate's brother in the background. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's a tough one. Really tough. Well, I'm sorry, Alex. My condolences. Yep. Sorry I might just stop watching loss. season three. You will not stop watching season three. We have a podcast to record. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, that. Well, wow. I mean, this episode from start to finish was just incredible. Do you want to give us our title background to Another start? Hit. Yeah. Um, so the, epi- the title of the episode is All My Life, My Heart Has Yearned for a Thing I Cannot Name. Which wow. is a quote. It's a long from one. From a book called Amour Fou or Mad Love by the surrealist Andre Breton. Um, I've just, I'm sure I've just butchered all of that French pronunciation. <laughs> French pronunciation. You need uh, to learn your French. <laughs> but, you know, I thought about it and I was like, I could just look this up and pronounce it properly. Uh, but I feel like I owe it to the fans to continue to just butcher it um, for the comedic value. So. My reputation will uh, will suffer for the comedy. Well, and they can I'm call you out. It's kind of fun when our listeners call us out because that means they're listening. Yeah, you know, I'm fine with that. So anyways, there you go. Um, the book is, um, he was the, he was a, like the surrealist. He wrote the Surrealist Manifesto. He was there at the beginning. Um, the book is described in one review as being an adulation of love as both mystery and revelation. Um, the review also says that Amor Fu is dedicated to defying the widespread opinion that love's, love wears out like a diamond in its own dust and instead celebrates Breton's own love and lover. Hmm. Um, Any parallels with that or is that just kind of overarching well, theme? I I have thought about that and I think, uh, I think we should circle back at the end of the episode okay. to how we think that relates. Um, Got it. But there you go. Cool. I'm all here for it. the the genesis of the title. Well, we open, obviously, with Fezco, Custer. And you know what? Last week I said it. Faye puts the hero in heroin, and she sure did. She truly does. Dropping the glass was a genius move. I had a feeling from the previews that was going to be like a distraction of some sort. So I feel like I feel good that I I didn't say it out loud on the podcast, but I yeah I should have said that, but it was such a minor like detail. I didn't really think to say it last week, but I was really glad to see that she had their back. It just unfortunately was a little too late, which sucks because you can also tell in that moment she's probably also thinking that like fuck I should have like said something when they met out outside when it was raining like because she's developing such a cool friendship with them yeah and you know it sucks too because it may not have been too late um unfortunately ashtray kind of uh sped things up by killing Custer. i know but, uh, if I know. that hadn't happened they probably could have weaseled out of this one but um, i feel like it's good that that happened because we've been we've gotten so much more of ashtray's background and the way he reacts to these type of situations and it makes sense that he would kill Custer. Like, well, it just yeah. does. I mean, you can't really blame him. He's a kid. He's not supposed to have, like, some insane strategic, like, mind. No. Like, he doesn't know about the warning from Faye. And um, also, he loves... Fez, Fez is his brother. Like, he'll yeah, do anything to defend him. He's a die for Fez. He's kind of... I mean, he kind of runs, like, security for their whole operation. So you, yeah. can't, really, uh, you can't really hold it against him. But I also think, like you said, he's... He is quite literally a child, so, like, the minute he stabs Custer, you can see it in his face that he's like, oh, fuck, what did I just do kind of thing? Like, just, like, pure shock of, like, I just reacted really fast. 
Just, I don't know. I could see it in his eyes. It was very, like, childlike. Like, oops. <laughs> I think it's just because of how fat, how aggressively Fez is like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. Fe- I think it's more based on Fez's response than on him killing But Custer. you know what I mean. Like, he's probably a little bit like, I could have waited a minute or two. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. It's also sad that, like, I hate the part where Fez has to kill Custer because you know he does it to save Ashtray and because that's just what's going on. Like, the cops are on the phone and everything, but, like... Fezco's not a killer. So I mean, that, all he really does is keep him quiet while I he know. bleeds out. But. but you know that that's not his, like, character type of, like... He's not the same as Ashtray. I feel like he really feels it when he does have to kill people. Like, in season one when he killed... Did we ever get a final answer on if he killed that doctor or not? I think he... I kind of think he didn't. Uh... I thought he just robbed him. I feel like we're going to get roasted by our fucking listeners if we get it wrong. So I'm not going to say either way because I need to refresh (laughs) myself on season one. People keep getting mad at me. I had so many listeners that were literally so mad at me for not remembering Lexi was... The younger sister, and Whatever. I'm like, look, this is like, I didn't remember. This is, this is comedic, first of all, and second of all, like, you know, we're not like cool positioning down. ourselves as like the like no preeminent experts on this show. We this is not the NPR of Euphoria. This is the drunken recap, <laughs> right? Like, you know, if we wanted to be a hundred percent accurate at all times. We could prepare <laughs> for like six hours before every out- time we recorded. And I also we'll think... fact check everything to death, but at the yeah. end of the day, like, that's not how we roll. We listen to the episode. Episode, and then we start drinking champagne i was just gonna say later and there you go so i was just gonna say i think also real quick i think people forget that we literally watch the episode and we podcast no lie right after so if we fuck up it's not that we're not doing the research it's that we literally just watch the episode like i also think we do pretty good you know <laughs> oh we do but i'm saying we, we don't things, have uh, pretty accurate around here even though we're not right all the time like i value accuracy and we try to issue retractions and corrections when appropriate of so, course but we know, also don't we have, have the our journalistic standards we don't have the resources though because like the episode drops and then we go right into it so it's like we do the best we can yeah but i'm not sure we'll have to maybe go back into season one and see but anyways, so we get then, like, the cute transition of Maude and Angus having this, like, back and forth adorable. God, I know. Just to make it hurt even more, they have to give us this this sweet back and forth occurring over multiple days. It was, like, so well done and so sweet that I was already getting, like, emotional watching it because you know something's coming. I know. And at the time, we didn't know it was Ashtray that's going to get, you know, right. the old... So we find out that uh, we find out that Fez is a fan of Little House on the Prairie. Um, adding that to his cinephile record. God, my granny um, used to make me watch that shit when I was really, a kid. He has very broad taste. Um, have you ever watched Little House on the Prairie? Like a little bit when I was pretty young. Not it's many, many. Literally, years. like fucking awful. I'm sorry. I don't care if anyone comes <laughs> to roast me for that. It's so boring, and it's all like boomers being like have manners while they're eating out of like tin cans on like a <laughs> fucking hand cart it's like i don't think manners matter we're like in the middle of like nowhere and my granny used to always like make me and my sisters watch it and we'd be like look how ladylike they are and we all were like <laughs> like my, who cares uh, they're I on am, a farm like am, they should be eating like animals <laughs> just stupid i am familiar with it uh, at large because my family would read the stories out loud to my sister when she was little oh yeah Um, and all i remember about it is that like every book was like 
almost like 90% of the book was like the long hard winter where everyone just suffers and they almost run out of food and everyone's sick and someone probably dies and then things would be okay for like you know like 10% of the book and then the next book they're like back in the long hard winter well guess what <laughs> and it got real fucking boring after that's a the while, show but with much. like mediocre acting so yeah so well there you go so but Fez wants to be a farmer that's cool yeah right i could i could see that he likes chickens know. pigs cows he names all the animals i'm like all right yeah. Fez, and I he's right you know i'm a pretty anti-gun guy but if i lived on a farm in the middle of nowhere i'd definitely have a gun yeah and like you could do all the drugs you wanted to do on the farm you no could one, do a lot of no drugs one cares. yeah you could cause a lot of ruckus i could uh, see fez in overalls with a little pitchfork and like the little what's that they put out of their mouth a farmer a the little uh, buckwheat a little, or little hay or little something. hay yeah, yeah a little, little piece little of hay yeah yeah i could see it um we find out that fez likes to peel back the layers like a like an onion like shrek Yes. Um, we also get the, I wrote down in my little notes, Fez not being on social media is a vibe. Mm-hmm. I feel like he was really channeling uh, your personality, Alex. Like, other than our podcast, Alex is just completely off social media, and I envy him for that because I really like that lifestyle. I just don't post. I like to, I still like to look at memes, you know. Yeah, but I, I mean. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't care to No, post but you don't post your life at all. You <laughs> don't post anything personal on social media, period. No. <laughs> so, like, the podcast is, like, the most personal you get, and that's, like, not even that personal, so it's, like. You know, yeah. Exactly. I was just jealous, but I was also like, I love that, and I like how Lexi and him have an actual conversation that's valuable, just like in modern times. Meaning, like amongst even you yeah. and I and our friends, which is that Fez's outlook on social media is so healthy. It's like, well, I don't need to like. Meaning, okay, Lexi initially says, "Well, don't you want it so that you can like see other people's interests and like connect off that?" And he's like, "I don't care about like the basic like level of people's interests and shit like." I don't need to know that. I want to know, like, the deep shit. And you don't get that out of social media. Right. And as much yep. as, like, to someone like you, that might be, like, oh, duh. For me, I was, like, wow, that's wise. Like, yeah. I never thought of it that way because that's always my excuse. I'm the Lexi in that situation. I've said that to you before. I'm, like, mm-hmm. don't you want to, like, connect with people who like the music you like? And, like, even Euphoria is a great example. Like, I've met a lot of cool people online that love Euphoria, but the end of the day i just thought that was very wise of fez to point out that like the deeper shit's never on social media it's yeah, all the surface level bullshit like, right exactly he uh he points out the difference between like character traits and mm-hmm. similar interests and you can tell that that really resonates with lexi um like you said fez is like very wise um much of which has been revealed through these conversations with lexi the way he thinks about art um the way he thinks about social media, life, just in general. Yeah. Um, just his POV his, on uh, shit his, is really wise. His upbringing as being so, like, aggressively independent from such a young age, um, just because he's not, like, traditionally educated doesn't mean that he hasn't come to learn, like, you know, significant, valuable things about life um, through totally. his own, like, experiences. And these conversations really show that off nicely. I also That's what like makes the, him such a likable character. So likable. And I also just love, like, I'm going to point out a lot of details tonight because it's the finale. I'm going all in, baby. But I like, like, the late night it, when you're in bed. Like, that just brought me back to high school. Just talking to, like, guys I had crushes on. Or even, like, literal. Because a lot of my boyfriends in high school were friends that turned into boyfriends. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I just thought it was so sweet and, like, cute that they're, like, 
now that we know their history, they've partied together, they've known each other a while now, mm-hmm. and now they're getting to know each other on, like, a different level that, you know, all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, I actually, like, might like this person. So I was just, like, blushing internally watching them, like, you know, get to the point where they almost say they like each other, you know what I mean? Just that moment where you're like, I think I, like, like this person. Yeah. I just thought it was just so sweet. Very cute. When they're, like, talking about what they want for their futures. I just thought that was so endearing and, like, perfect. Of course, Lexi's very, like, neurotic and has it all, like, planned out about, like, how many kids she wants and at what age and everything. That was me. She's like, by 30, I want three kids. Face (laughs) out. Yeah. Yeah, It was really sweet. But... Um, Yeah, that was all cute. I also did, like, um, back to the social media thing. I liked the... what Fez pointed out about character traits not being something you know on social media. Um, it's like, you know, you can have these, like, you can think you have friendships on social media with people based on similar interests, but you yeah. really don't know much about them as a person or their character or their nature. Um, and that's what really matters and what a real relationship is built on. Thank um, God you and I didn't mean, not, no, and I really mean this, no shame to anyone that's met on social media. I know that that's, like, a difficult thing these days, and it is, like, a huge connector but i'm very thankful that you and i did not yes. meet on social media because yes, you are same. horrible at social media oh my God. i would never get any days if i no. had to rely on like dating apps and like social to make connections and meet people yeah but you say that in a bad way but i think that like i said it's like oh i don't though. say it in a bad way it's just, no you don't it's but like true. the way you said that it comes off as like oh yeah like i'd be so bad at it but it's like that's a good thing like I've, that's why i was attracted to you because i I feel like I'll carry the social media for both of us. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely true. <laughs> but anyways, so I also want to note, wow, uh, Angus Cloud, I think this was by far, this episode as a whole, his performance was, like, so good. When you think about him, just coming from, like, no acting background, quite literally no mm. acting background. And I really thought this was, like, the best he's performed. I just had to throw that yeah. out there because I think he's like done a great job throughout the entire season, of course, but this one he had to really show a lot of emotion. Yeah. And it was like, wow, just seeing the progression he's made from season one, just sitting in the shop selling drugs to like mm-hmm. crying, showing him, or not crying, yeah. but you know, like he's literally fast crying. With giving more depth and nuance this season, and uh, I think he lived up to it. He did a good job. Like, I felt him and Ashtray's, like, brotherhood so fucking yeah. strong in that. It was yep, intense. Yep. Yeah, but absolutely. we can move on, though, to, like, the pl- back to the play. I mean, things just get out of control. <laughs> I have my notes that just says Cassie's <laughs> meltdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as we predicted, Cassie storms on stage, um, which triggers a, a bunch of other storming on stage from... Mrs. Howard and Maddie and eventually, um, what's her name? Cat. Yeah, and <laughs> you, this. You know what's her name? Well, I love the slow mo too of her entering the theater. That was done really well because she looks like a literal clown. She looks like the Joker. Yeah, I know. There's like real, memes. Like, this is her Joker moment for sure. It's her Joker moment, and it's just done really well because she just looks literally insane like, and as usual she thinks she's uh in her head she's envisioning herself as like harley quinn like the real like she's like i'm ready to be the villain and stuff but uh as we've seen before she really doesn't live up to it when, no when it comes time to she gets booed um, she, she gets booed <laughs> she runs away she gets her head bashed in. yeah i have a lot of notes about this i've got 
the crowd yelling you racist at Cassie was pretty funny. Because Cassie's literally like, she's mm-hmm. so idiotic that in this moment, she's not only being such a bitch to her sister. I mean, really, like, I get it. Like, she's mad. But it's like, the stuff she says is low. This is a really low moment in my book for Cassie. Like, I went from her being my favorite character of all time in season one to quite literally hating her this season. Yeah, yeah. she's no good. Because it's one thing to be upset, but to put Lexi down like she does and to say, I literally put in quotes, she calls her a bystander and that she never lived life. I mean, that is like, those are some hurtful things to say to someone who has gone through a lot of tragedies with you in life. Meaning, Mm. Lexi is absolutely lived life she's gone through losing her father like dealing with your fucking crazy ass so mm-hmm. i don't know i thought that was and then oh she said i'm the one that gets hurt not you lexi yeah are you kidding me i mean she's just completely out <laughs> oh of yeah hand. cassie you're getting so hurt <laughs> i know she's completely out of hand in the whole thing miss howard joining in is fucking hilarious as well <laughs> i know she does like a weird hissing she really... thing she's like hey hey she really fails to do anything it's like why did you get on stage if you weren't gonna drag cassie's ass off the stage i think she's similar to not i mean no i don't want to put miss howard down she's the the goat but i think she's a little (laughs) i don't know if she's the goat. i think she's the goat but she's a little similar to cassie she's the goat yeah i think she's a little similar to cassie though that she cares about her ego so i think she gets up on the stage not only to like control her daughters but to be like okay like Let's not, like, spill our family's real story. Like, this is supposed to be, like, I don't a mind play. Her, I don't blame her for getting up on stage. If your kids were up there doing that, I mean, I would probably do the same thing. But she just doesn't, she doesn't follow through. She should have gone up there and physically dragged Cassie off that stage and shut that shit down. Like, her, and she's, uh, very ineffective. Another part that, I don't know if you caught, someone in the audience will show us your boobs. <laughs> to Cassie? Did you catch that? I did not catch I that. I wrote it down. I've, I rewatched a little clip to of Cassie it after. To Cassie or Miss Howard? Uh, no, to Cassie. When she's up there alone, like right after the guy goes, you're a racist, someone goes, show me your boobs. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. That was pretty funny. <laughs> pretty I mean, great. They're high also, I mean, come on. Is there not a single school administrator at this event? Like, there's usually someone from the school at a play, right? Like, the Alex, students just no, don't... not at Euphoria High. I mean, I'm not, I guess, yeah. Why not at I, Euphoria Why am I trying to be realistic? Like, the budget for this play was, like, $5 million. So. I, <laughs> I will uh, end that right there. <laughs> oh, my God. And then I love when, you know, it obviously comes to a, an end because they get dragged off by Miss Howard, but... I love when the girl on the carousel is like just having the time of her life and she oh, goes yeah. she goes, I just love fucking everything. <laughs> <laughs> well it was fucking hilarious that they brought back the carousel scene. Like You have we're, to we pretty much think the play is like close to over and then there's like, oh no, there's still plenty more like content. Like we're gonna get the full like Cassie at the carnival, like Molly situation, like who knows what else. Should have been in there or would have been, but... I also wanted to call out that Miss Howard's worried when Maddie calls Cassie a cunt. She's like, language! It's like, (laughs) oh, Miss Howard, (laughs) you let these girls drink wine twerk in the hot tub they're sleeping over with like their briefcase going off to their boyfriends for the week like i don't think 
your daughter's <laughs> friend saying cunt is all that bad. Like, yeah, it's you all could good. probably uh, you could probably let that one go. You could probably there let that slide. There may be more important things to focus on, like your daughter's having like a dispute that will end their relationship probably forever. Literally. Whatever. <laughs> Who's to say? So then we get the epic fight. Like Maddie, she's like, it's time to get violent. She's taking off her shoes. She's it's running. time to get violent. Takes off shoes. Takes off shoes. <laughs> As one does when it's time <laughs> to get violent. I know. I'm like, she doesn't take off the hoop. She takes off the heels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She runs. Cat's like, oh, fuck. BB's like, oh, God. And then we get BB yelling. She goes, yeah, Maddie beat her ass. <laughs> yeah. And then she takes a huge rip off her jewel, right? That's later. Oh, that's later. But as she's running up the stairs, well, it's fine. I'm just being really detailed, but that's later because I do mention that I love that shot. I mean, we get some some quality BB content. After a season starved of BB content. We finally we, get her We again. at least get one great comedic moment in this episode, and she certainly delivers. And she's the best for a girl fight. I mean, you have to have BB commentary during a girl fight. Oh, I know. But yeah, no, when she, before she vapes, she says she fucking deserves that shit. She fucked her boyfriend. (laughs) Yes. She's just going off. She's I love that she does, hangs back and like, you know, taunts everyone and shouts various insults and hits the jewel. She doesn't try to get like physically involved. She just wants to like be up in it. (laughs) Well, she's also (laughs) not a part of the girl history, right? Like she's just kind of the like. Everyone has that friend, too. Like, this oh, is not that unrealistic. I mean, like, every fight has that person. Like, there's a yes. great video, I think, probably, I think it's on Worldstar, which is appropriate for her. But there's a good video that, like, breaks down, like, all the, like, character types <laughs> in a fight. And there's always, like, the random, like, side character, like, instigator who's always trying to, like, rile everybody up and, like, get the fight to take place and, like, <laughs> providing, like, color commentary, you know? You have to. That's definitely her in the situation. It's also, like, like I said, it's not unrealistic that... In high school, like, we all, like, or in any situation, college, whatever it may be, you always have that friend that's not, like, a part of your, like, real, like, deep friend group. So it's, like, all these girls have so much history. And then Phoebe's just kind of the one that kind of hangs around. Like, she's there every once in a while. She's the party friend. Like, she goes to parties with them. So as much as we joke that, like, we want justice for Phoebe to have more time in, it's, like, I kind of love... I kind of like that we don't get a lot of time with her because yeah, it's I mean, like she's just comedic. Relief. She's the fun friend, yeah. I just want more comedic relief. She's got yeah. She <laughs> has too much to do. That. She's got too much to vape. <laughs> she has other shit to do. <laughs> too much to vape. She has to going out at the mall. <laughs> yep. So it goes down. Um, Cassie gets slapped. I was a little disappointed that she only got slapped, but then they go down the hall and then Maddie throws her into the, the brick wall. Yeah, which is definitely like and the slap. A, that is a much harder hit. That's pretty good. And so you do have like, to give right. some props for the slap. Eh, that's whatever. It was, I was a good slap. I was hoping for far more than a single slap, and it, I was like, oh, they're not going to give us any, but then she gets the, the wall to the face, and that was a pretty good one. That'll fuck you up, so I, I'm glad we got that much. I kind of wish she would have been the one that gets hit into the, you know, when everyone thought it was going to be yeah, Cassie the, that gets banged into the, the blow dryer yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I honestly, at this point, wish she would have. Yeah, although I have to say, the moment in the bathroom that they have is uh, is pretty chilling when she's like, this she's like, oh, just Nate, just bro- Nate broke up with me, and Maddie's like, oh, trust me, this is just the beginning. <laughs> like, I know. Maddie just recently had a gun held to her head, so Cassie is in for it. And I kind of and... like that they leave it at that, because also, oh, yeah. Maddie doesn't owe her that at this point. Like, 
I mean, that's nothing. That's nothing. That's just like a like a taunt. Like, girl, you're fucked. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't give a shit about you, but you're uh, you thinking this is the end of your your business with Nate is yeah the... hilarious because <laughs> that shit's gonna go on and on next season. I'm sure the writing for that was perfect. Like, yeah, I like great. that they ended it on that, like you said, literal like haunting moment of oh yeah. The foreshadowing of what could possibly happen in season three with this, but also it's, you know, we all, of course, internally want that moment to be Cassie apologizing, having more to say, but we all know that wasn't going to happen. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> wow, Meatball, what Hot did you take think? coming in. Well, that was the third host, Meatball, giving his Hot input. Hot take from the boy. My goodness. All right, so, so anyways. There's your hot take for the night. <laughs> what do you think he was commenting on? <laughs> I'm putting you on mute You there. sound like Cassie, Meatball. Wah, wah, wah. Crying. Yeah, big baby. <laughs> All she does is drink in the hot tub and cry. Yeah, crier and puker. <laughs> a crier that and is puker. Meatball. He does puke a decent amount. Yeah, he's kind of a Cassie. He really is a crier and a puker. Yeah, so anyways, um, I thought also what was interesting about all of this is that there's no uh, there's no new Maddie like plot line. She doesn't get like roped back in in any way, which I think does still leave the door open for her departure next season in a way that makes sense. Like she's pretty done with Cassie. She doesn't seem like she has anything else she needs out of that relationship. She's done with Nate. She ends this this episode. I was like, she's ready to get the fuck out of there. And I could definitely see that being the case next season. I agree. And my input on that as well is I think that's why I have, you know, I've mentioned many times that I'm much more in love with Maddie this season. Because I think, like you said, I think she's matured. She's evolved quite a bit. And in that moment, I thought it was very defining. I will say right now, my prediction for season three is there is no friendship. I mean, because I think of it, Sam does such a good job of keeping things very real and not just doing things based off what fans might want and Mm -hmm. what audience, you know, might want. And it's like, of course, we all want Maddie and Cassie to be friends, you know. Meaning we'd like to see a a friendship of a long time come back and heal and blah, blah, blah. Eh. Maybe not not everyone, fine, me. <laughs> well, in a perfect world, you know, I'm you want you want a character you once liked to come to their senses, apologize, and then maybe, oh cool, we're all friends. No. Yeah, right. That's not happening. I, I'm calling it right now, it's not happening. I think Maddie's yeah. done. Like you said, her departure, she's matured, she's gonna move on, she's gonna join Algae. <laughs> she's going to college. She's going to college. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Algie posted Maddie during Perez the premiere, and Alex and I were cracking up. He posted a photo of like him, Nate, and Cassie on set from season one, and he, I forget what the caption was. It was so funny though. It was like, "Oh, like didn't see this coming" or yeah, something. Right. And uh, Alex and I were dying because we're like, Algie is just so thirsty. Like it's the season finale. Like McKay is officially like. We can all say now, like, he is gone. He's, by now he's graduated Paige, college. We don't need to talk about him anymore. Paige, you never know. He, he's coming <laughs> he back. Come season back. three, okay? I know. I'm like, I love you, Algie, but, like, let, the thirst trap for, like, Euphoria season two is so high. Oh, my God. I know. Funny. 
Well, do you have anything else about the crazy fight scene to bring up? No, you know, I think I think that pretty well covers Spoke the for itself. Um, yeah, Maddie's taking her revenge. <clears throat> she has. She she got a little violent. Not enough for Alex, but she got violent. You're better than nothing. <laughs> so then we got, and I I purposely didn't talk with you about this scene until now because I. I want your genuine... I kind of want you to go first on this Elliot yeah, Rue the scene. Rue Elliot scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Be honest. You know, I was kind of mixed about it. I thought that these... I don't know. I'm not one for like a... Like a this is why I knew you were going to say. I don't know. I'm not going to... I'm not too harsh on it. I'm not one for like an acoustic like number in a show uh, maybe a little cheesy but i thought that the songwriting kind of made up for it because the the lyrics to the song the little ditty he sings for you uh, i thought that they interestingly and well like expressed uh, the dilemma his character was going through and the feel like where yeah. he was at um and i found it I found it Land- endearing. I found it landing on the right side of like endear- endearing and sincere, and not on the side of cheesiness. So I really don't have a problem with it. Well, let me read the lyrics. He said, "I wrote it down. Little star feels like you fell right on my head. Gave you away to the wind. I hope it was worth it in the end. You and my guitar. I think you may be my only friend. I gave it all to see you shine again. I hope it was worth it in the end." And like you said, the writing was very well done because that's the part that like gets you. The lyrics are very sweet and they're almost like not so direct that you're like, yep, I know exactly what that means. Right. Like, you it know, just it, kind of encapsulates his feelings about mm-hmm. what he did. Like yes. he knew that he was going to be sacrificing um, possibly his relationship with Rue forever. Yes. Um, to try to, you know, save her life and kind of like giving it up to fate. Um, and there's, like, a lot of conflict in the decision like that, especially as he's, like, a fellow drug user, you know, and they share that bond over that. He clearly, like, felt very conflicted and shitty about, like, his decision. Agreed. Um, you know what's interesting? No one wants to be the rat, like, even if you think you're saving someone's life, so it comes with a lot of, like, guilt and, like, tough feelings, and I thought this was a, did a good job of showing, like, how he was thinking about that situation and what he did and a hundred percent uh so my reaction so i got yours and i'm glad we're on the same page um i i would say alex and i are on the same page like you mentioned we are not fans i'm gonna be a little more passionate on my response we are absolutely never fans of like a moment of silence where the guy in the romance movie pulls out, like, an instrument and is, like, singing. Well, like, at least of all, an acoustic guitar, but... There's some movies that do it really, really well, and it's far and few between for me. Meaning, I will never... I always joke with Alex, if he ever... <laughs> even if you had a good voice, meaning I'm not joking about, like, you sucking at singing and What if you I do, have a horrible voice? You have a horrible voice. But I'm saying if you had a really good one, I still would not feel comfortable if you were like, hey... Talking to me in a conversation, all of a sudden you're like, let me put it better and uh, Does it make sing it more endearing that I have an awful voice? No. It's just, it's worse. <laughs> but it. I really mean it. I weirdly... Maybe we are both the odd ones out for this, but I fucking hate when people break out in a song at random. It makes... Not because... 
even if they're I mean, have a good voice, it's because it makes me feel uncomfortable. It's universally obnoxious and uh, yes, but I think it's very like I literally begin to cringe and I'm like so turned off. Like I'm just like this is so unbearable. Yes. But like you, oddly enough, I, it was definitely the writing and the little like ditty. It was very sweet, very endearing, and that you get Rue's reaction too, right? Like Zendaya's acting yeah. makes it even better because she's clearly, clearly like right now with choked Rue. up. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was the perfect formula to make it something that I found extremely endearing and honestly perfect for like resolving that little part of Elliot and Rue and thinking okay what's next for them yeah and i think it also puts things in the right space where it's like it's unclear what's next for them yes if they're even going to maintain like a strong friendship after this i think they probably will but it even puts that into like perspective as like even something like that is on the table like also unclear Um, i'm sorry but dominic is (laughs) he's pretty sexy in this like this was cute (laughs) Uh, do you agree now as the peach fuzz mustache do you agree though I don't, I really, I don't. You don't find him, like, even in this moment, though, like, you wouldn't, as a girl, you or a guy, anyone, I don't know why I said that, but, like, in Rue's shoes, I guess, is why I said as a girl, like, in Rue's shoes, would you not be sitting there, like, this is so, like, hot? Because <laughs> I was thinking, I don't even know what I would do if I was her, like, I would be blushing major, and I would just think it was cute. Meaning, like, I would be like, oh my god, like, you wrote that for me? Jesus. It doesn't do it for me, but I see the appeal. Yeah. Like, I also, the it. glance he gives her in the theater is very, like, cute. The little head nod. Like, uh, I was like, oh my god. Yeah. I also- he gets some points for having a Nick Cave poster, too. Uh-huh. You know. Can't. Elliot's really come around for us this season. Can't, yeah, you know, he gets he gets some points for that. I can't. I but can't, I'm saying we hated uh, him in the him. beginning. And look at the circle we've come to by the finale. We're, like, liking him singing a little I've come ditty. Like, uh, I've come, like, half circle on him. but Begrudgingly, but yes, I have. And yeah, but we, like, hated it. him so much in the beginning that I'm like, if he was singing in, like, episode two, you would be like, oh, this idiot. Yes, this is true. <laughs> But now that we like him, we're like, oh, this is so cute. Yeah, right, Also, I have right. to show you these memes. I'm begrudging about it, but you're not wrong. I have to show you these I've memes. I did think they were funny, and we were actually indifferent to most of the Twitter reactions. I thought everyone was going to be on our page being like, that was so cute. Oh, my OMG. Does everyone hate uh, it? There's this one Does of Twitter SpongeBob, and it says, why the fuck did they interrupt Maddie beating the shit out of Cassie for Elliot's long ass song? <laughs> and then uh, there's this other one that says, I, we're wasting time with Elliot's song. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it maybe went on a tab. The last one says, just wasted five minutes with Elliot's song. <laughs> Hashtag euphoria. Well, they really went there with the whole second verse. I know. Um, but, you know, like I said. I, I thought the internet was mean. I liked the song. I actually wasn't mad about it, so I can't. I can't complain. No. But I thought it was funny because usually we're the usually we're the Twitter like haters, mm-hmm. and this time we were like we like this. <laughs> yeah, right. We're going soft. Also, shout out to this is random, but we're back to the play. I really love Veronica Taylor is the one that plays the assistant to Lexi in the play. Mm. Um, at the moment, mm. I don't know her fictional character name, but her real name is Veronica Taylor. I added her on her Instagram. I don't know. I grew to really like her. I think she's so unique and, like, cute and fun in this episode. And I actually watched a Young Hollywood interview that she did 
And it was really cute. Like, she was scouted out by the casting crew before COVID hit. So she was super bummed because when COVID hit, they kind of were like, they went, like, not ghosted her, but they just dropped everything. Like, didn't really call back anybody. So they called her back and they were like, Sam watched your video and, like, just loves you. So she was like, oh, shit, like, that's such an honor. Like, that's crazy that Sam watched, like, my audition Mm -hmm. and, like, picked me. So I thought that was cute, because I, I actually really liked her. I thought she was funny. Yeah, I like the little the interaction between her and Lexi before when they decide to go on with the play is nice. That's why I brought um, it up. I feel like she had her back, and she was right. like a... What'd she say? She's like, art should be dangerous. Yeah, she was just cute. She yeah. was like a good comic relief and really sad moments for Lexi. You know, as a, as a podcast host, I really feel that, like... <laughs> art is dangerous like it is you podcast hosting is a really dangerous gig you know oh but yeah we put our body and our emotional psyche on the line <laughs> week after week for the art we do it all for the we art really do. you know and then we get yelled at we deal with the trolls vocal fried and talking over each other you know yeah it happens but yeah thought that was cute so then we get this iconic part in the episode, which I loved so, so much, which is Rue chanting for Lexi and starting the school chant. Lexi, Lexi, mm-hmm, Lexi, mm-hmm. Lexi. Yeah, that was Lexi. cute. And then cute. just seeing her reaction to her standing ovation and what do they call it? Encore. Not standing ovation, encore. It's like, uh, I mean, it's kind of neither because the play is like halfway done, but yeah. But it's cute. Yeah, of course. It's cute though. because think of Ethan. Think of all the hard work you put into this play. Think of Ethan. Think of Ethan in this moment. When, we, when everyone's chanting Lexi's name, we should, let's think of Ethan. I was thinking of Ethan. I'm like, he just put his like heart and soul in this play. He's playing every character. He did that huge dance routine with a big penis. He's living like his fucking he did. dream. It's true. He got he's, he got props on stage from the yeah. person he's portraying. I mean, that's he's missed dates nice. with Kat. He's going through a breakup, and this was his big breakout. So I'm like, Ugh. but yes, of course, I'm thinking of Lexi. Also, oh my god! So I immediately started, literally started crying when she goes out and dedicates. I don't know if she dedicates the second half of the show to Fez, right? Is that what she does? Or Yeah. I don't I don't want to like I mean, misquote it, but she's yeah. Right. She, oh, she said someone told me that like sometimes it's okay to hurt feelings. Yeah, she said some that sometimes people need their feelings hurt. Yes. And um so cute even though, though he can't be here yes. tonight. Like, and I was like, for No, him. no. Yeah, I know. Fez. Uh, and does that go into the Fezco ashtray like gun down moment? I think it does. We get into that part. Let's yeah, just go I into think it. So. God, they had to give us all these fucking like crushing scenes of like I Fez's know. letter to Lexi, like being trampled by the fucking SWAT team. Like, come on. I did think so that was savage. a cool shot though, where they throw the roses down, so almost savage. like it's on the stage of the play, but really it's just like he's yeah. throwing them down because he's like, fuck, I gotta like figure this shit yeah. out. So the SWAT team busts in, you know, at Fez's, Fez's plan is for Ashtray to get out, surrender, and he's going to take the blame, of course. Um, Ashtray is just such a G, he's never going to let that happen. So he goes to the washing machine and gets the guns and locks himself in the bathroom. Which, to me, I was kind of like, what is he, like, what's his plan? I was thinking suicide at first because I saw him grab the gun and I was like, is he just gonna like shoot himself right now? Like, oh no way! Well, I didn't know. I was like, what's he doing? 
He's and then he's putting them all in the bath, and I was like, oh, now what? Well, you always get in the bath, like, the bath is the safest place to be in a gunfight. Really? That's what they what? always, if you're... Oh, uh, yeah. just the shield of it? Like the... Yeah, like, if your house is ever getting shot up and, like, a drive-by Because <laughs> that's a common thing. Well, if there's a... If Take you, note, everyone. No, get seriously, if you hear, like, gunshots, like, nearby, and you're like, maybe Got there's stray it. bullets, yeah. like, you're supposed to get in the bathtub, like, in case a stray bullet comes, if there's, like, shooting, oh, okay. like, close to you. Good um, to know. It's the safest place to be. So he goes, you know, he jumps up in the bathtub, because um, he's, I think, I mean, I think his plan is just, like, I'm not gonna let... Fez go down for this, and he's gonna... Why couldn't, in this moment, why couldn't go Faye down. just say she did it for self-defense? He was coming at her with a gun. Would that not have worked? I was thinking the whole time. I know they don't have a lot of time, but they drowned the phone, so the cops can't hear them. Well, I think that's what Fez's plan vaguely was, but, like, I mean, there's no great, like, plan there, because they're on the fucking recording and everything. Um, also, to be fair, Faye in this moment, man, this is a scary moment. Like, being her would just be so scary because you're, like, not involved in any of this. You're just kind of, you know what you're into because you're living with drug dealers. But, like, this yeah, part is so scary because it's like, well, she's not a part of any of this. Like, know, right? you know, and then you're about to be in the middle of, like, a shootout. Right. It's so scary. Yeah, I mean, I think as much as Fez loves Ashtray, Ashtray loves Fez, and Ashtray is not going to let. Fez go down for something he didn't do and you know doing this like a he's gonna i mean he's gonna go out in a blaze of glory and i think this makes it clear to the cops like that he's the killer ideally um and gives fez an out of the situation um we'll see if this works next season given that fez was like holding the knife and stuff but i mean at this point with ashtray dead fez should reasonably be able to blame all of this on Ashtray, which, like, feels really bad, but that's probably what Ashtray wants in this situation, is for yeah. Fez to get out of jail time. God. Um, and it's so sad, because you know, Fez just wants Ashtray to, like, live the life he didn't get to, you know? He just and wants him to live, period. <laughs> like, Also, I mean, he's totally off-topic, but Faye's air sneakers are really cool. They yeah, do a those shot on those. Fun. I'm like, those are dope. Those are fun, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, our predictions, uh, we got it spot on with our predictions last week. We said if uh, if Fez gets shot, he lives. If Ashtray gets shot, he dies. And both things happened, which I didn't expect, but no. we were correct with both of them. I didn't think uh, Ashtray was going to, like, knock Fez out. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't think it was going to go to that level of, like, I don't know. I just didn't know. Yeah. But... Wow, the shootout is done really well. Like, from a cinematography perspective, this scene was so tense. I was, like, sweating (laughs) sitting here watching it. Just so much going on. Like I said, Angus gave, like, such a good performance. You're just so tense. Same with uh, our girl Faye. Like, she did a great job. This whole scene was just so well done. It was just crazy. And... The end where Ashtray just blows that cop. It's like, holy Ooh, shit. Yeah. I do like that even though he uh, even though he went out, he really, like... I like that he, they gave him, like, that little win where it's like, he got to take that guy with him. Yeah, because that's his personality. Yeah, fuck yeah. They had to do him justice. Yeah, that they, was super smart. They had he, to, like... I mean, he knows he can't just stay in that bathtub forever. He's gonna get God at some point. And, uh, unfortunately, that wraps up the, uh, the Fez 
Astro storyline for this season. Which is uh, awful. I'm going to fucking miss Astro next season. R.I.P. Astro. We Absolute love you. Absolute R.I.P. One of the best characters on all of Euphoria for two seasons running. And so well casted. So, yeah, great. Just great, great work. work all around. Great work The all most around. emotion we've seen from Fez, for sure. Like, he... He's oh, really sure. good at playing the low-key drug dealer. Like, even when Rue was, like, pounding on the door of season one, like, mm-hmm. he didn't really have to show much emotion. But like I said in this one, I was like, he was making me cry. Fez was. Because, like, I'm not like you where, like, Astro dying made me cry. Of course, that's so sad. But, like, I I was more crying at Fez's reaction. Yeah, Because right. that's, like, his one person he had. Like, without him, think about it. He has no family. That was it. I know. He's just got that catatonic grandma. Which sucks. There were all these predictions that she was going to wake up during the shootout. I mean, What's she going to do? Like, go swap mode from I that mean, bed and, like, take out all the cops? Like, <laughs> But even if... How... F- <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> the shootout's going on. The grandma, like, pokes her head her out. Her eyes, like, like snap What's going open. On? <laughs> reaches under the bed for, like, a cache of weapons. <laughs> come on. Uh, but, you know... Grandma did not wake up, ladies and gentlemen. She yeah. did not wake up. The granny didn't wake up. So then we move on. To um, Nate filling a gun. And I will say, at least he didn't do the beer bottle trick again. Because yet he, again. He for sure did it. They just didn't show it. He definitely did it. <laughs> yet again, a Budweiser. like, Or is it a Budweiser? Yeah, it's Budweiser. always a Budweiser. Budweiser yeah. in the cup holder. That's I was like, brand. well, is he going to do the trick? Is he yeah, going to do the trick? Nope. I mean, he, we know he did. But yeah, so then... Uh, He's off. He's all drunk and angry, and he's off rolling to Cal's. Um, the gun? To Cal's architecture, developer offices, whatever. Where they're all drinking <laughs> Natty Ice, by the way. Where Cal is partying so, with a collection of, like, total, like, you know, street miscreants. So let's make a, a note here. So, just so everyone understands, Cal is an what is he, an architect or real estate? He's a developer. A developer. A real okay. estate developer. But but known for being big in the town, yeah, wealthy, right. big, big middle money. class wealth, right? Big money. And he drinks Cooks and Natty Ice is now what we know. So Cal Cooks, the lowest shelf champagne. Hey, he parties hard and he parties <laughs> cheap, okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. So let's not shame Cal for his liquor choices. Also... I will applaud Cooks till the day I die. Natty Ice, however, it tastes like you're just drinking nah, horse piss. I'm with you on that. I don't... That's like a level below I don't below fuck with Natty I'll Ice. Take. I'll drink basically anything and I won't drink that. Anyone of young age, meaning of age to drink, but like 21 and up, if you're like partying and someone hands you a Natty Ice, please judge them. That's yeah, not a good choice. I mean, choice. just don't... You can find something better. So, I checked the Well, cred- no, judge them because you could drink a PBR for cheaper and it's better. Yeah, yeah. Well, not cheap. Hams. Natty Ice hams. really is... It, it's the cheapest. Like, is it really? Oh, yeah. It's, cheaper than hams? Yeah. Cheaper than everything. It's really, really cheap. <sighs> Fine, don't judge them, but it sucks. Don't drink but it. But it is... <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink it. Bad. Drink it while plugging your nose. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so I checked the uh, the credits, and these characters that uh, Cal's partying with are named Sky, Ricky, Bambi, and Hard Harry, who is presumably <laughs> the like older like guy with the robe with the and briefs? the thong on and, yeah. the, and the gut. Like, <laughs> I'm assuming that that's Hard Harry, because who else here would be Hard Harry? You know. Interesting. You know, I was so... He looks like he's probably, like, the local meth dealer or something. <laughs> I was so scared in this part that I wasn't... 
I'm bummed because like I wasn't paying attention really to the side characters at all because I was so afraid that Nate was going to shoot his dad or kill himself. Mm. I told Alex the whole time I can never be like quiet when I think something's going to happen. I was like, he's going to kill himself. He's going to kill himself. Because I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought in his mind, killing himself would torture Cal more than like... Mm, yeah. So you don't know what I'm saying. And then he also came from the play where he clearly was like so upset and like traumatized by all that. Yeah. I don't find that unreasonable. I guess he's I was just scared. I was worried. Right I was like, now, but... I hate Nate, but I don't want to, I don't want to see that. Yeah. I will uh, I will say this is the the one part of the episode that I uh, did confused. not I didn't feel super I didn't think was great. Um I they pass off what appeared last week to be like basically irrefutable evidence that Nate was abused by Cal as Nate saw Cal's sex tapes at 11 and then had dreams, nightmares of being abused by Cal. Which I find... I don't think that's that weird. Very, I, I find that pretty unbelievable and very strange. And I guess all I can take away from that is that it speaks to Nate's mental illness. But, like, obviously it's highly upsetting to find sex tapes of your father yes. like, being prostitutes at 11. Um, that's going to fuck with you in a myriad <clears throat> of ways and, you know, is psychologically damaging for plenty of reasons. But I definitely find it hard to believe that that results in you having nightmares of being sexually abused by your father. Like, I do not see the connection between those two things and how that's, like, the resultant effect is that Nate's had, like, now mm. has, like, nightmares about being boned by Cal. I don't really I mean, get that. I would just... Or not... There's no disagreeing. Uh, my perspective was... I do understand that because I think sometimes dreams are just, especially when you have trauma or things going on in your life, your dreams can be very, like, they don't make, meaning they don't make any sense. I, I've experienced trauma in my life and I have dreams all the time that don't, nothing like that. I don't want to hint to that at all. Please, on the record, nothing like that. But just weird shit that you would never in a million years be able to but explain it's really or understand. like a recurring dream for him. Like you this, think? I think he just... Oh, yeah, because he does say sure, that. It's for sure, like, yeah. It's, yeah. like, become, like, this big thing Okay, for a little him, weird. Now, he envisions himself being abused by Cal, which I really am not getting. Why? Totally. And I guess... I mean, I my takeaway from that was it speaks to Nate's, like, larger mental illness. That he yeah. sees this at 11... And not only does he become, like, sexually fixated on his father, but he, like, dreams that his father is abusing him. Well, we also don't know yet, Nate's... Has these I don't know if this would matter to you it. or what you think on this, but we also don't know Nate's sexuality. He hasn't come... Yeah, we kind of have established through this season that he's, like, pansexual. Sure, but I'm saying a lot of people, uh, meaning listeners, fans of the show, have been saying, like... Oh, the play outed him. Oh, he's gay, and I'm kind of over here like we don't know that. We have no idea. So, well, I think the dream kind of hints maybe like that could be a thing. Cause like if your dad's, I don't know. You, I don't know it's, about like, that. Guy on guy, I don't know. Nah. No. 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 You don't think it's a mix of like his? I don't know. If he, let's say he is gay, could that be like a mixture of going through that, meaning being closeted, and then on top of it, like. Having to go through the trauma of his dad. I'm saying maybe the two collide in, like, his dreamland. Because, like, dreams are fucked and, like, are weird. Uh, I, I, I really don't see, like, 
Do you know what I'm see, saying? I'm like, totally two separate things coming together because dreams don't make sense. But see, the dreaming of like being abused by your parent, like be, being dreaming of being sexually abused by your parent, that's is a big thing. Yeah, a, very like unique and uncommon. Like that's not a yeah. That's I not agree. like a normal like dream, and that as far as I know, like people aren't having recurring dreams of being abused, sexually abused by their parents. If it unless that's happen. based on some kind of reality, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. Nate just like being into dudes plus like seeing his dad like boning yeah. prostitutes like equals him like having. Yeah, these weird well, who dreams. knows? That part know. is weird. The only point thing being, I... I found this kind of like weird and like kind of weak, and I personally like would not have done it this way where we introduced this like big like straw man of like nate got sexually abused and then do away with it the next episode i that didn't work for me yeah i understand where you're coming from on that i think my biggest i know this might be really minor and stupid but i thought it was weird that the gun is there it has such a presence you're like so tense because you're like what the fuck's mm-hmm. gonna happen with the gun? And then nothing happens. And then it's he doesn't even no threaten purpose. his dad with it. He just does nothing. Yeah, he I just agree was with like, that. here's it. <laughs> he pulls out a USB and said, and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, that's served, <laughs> served no purpose. And then the girl like pops up with the natty ice, and you're thinking it's the gun. And it kind of scare. It jolts you because you're like, oh fuck. Did right. you get that? I thought it was like the gun clicking. They're really going like the like the anti Chekhov's gun this season. There's like there's a gun on screen and we're gonna show it extensively, but then it's not gonna be used. Yeah, I thought that was uh, a little annoying. So I'm with you. This scene that was, was weird. the only part of the finale where I was a little like, huh? Yeah, that I was wasn't weird. mad, but I was just like, huh? The only reason <laughs> I'm glad about any of this or think it's good in any way is that it does establish that Cal wasn't a sexually wasn't sexually abusive to Nate. Which is how we read Cal initially. Yeah. I found it very shocking and weird that they introduced that he was sexually abusive to Nate. So I'm, at least, like, in the long term, I'm glad to have that retracted. Because that never made sense to me. It's also interesting. Alex and I immediately were, like, kind of bummed. Because obviously, this season we've talked about how we really liked Cal's backstory. We were kind of here for him, like, walking around the family and, like, living his real life. But then, now he has to go to jail. And I guess it's only odd because... We were under the impression that Jules was the only one that was accidentally underage. We did not, you and I collectively did not understand that he was. I mean, with that's enough to go to people. prison for. I Just understand. Enough, so. I understand, but to have that, yeah. We don't know that there's more. Um, oh, I was thinking like there's definitely more because like just Jules. And you know why I was. You thinking, know what? But there you know is... why I was thinking that because he gave Jules the disc, and well, he said this isn't gonna come to light. He's I'm giving obviously it to full you. of shit with that. But I here's what I think on this is like you know we don't know that there's more, but he has still committed the crime of like unlawfully without permission recording like sexual encounters You're right. with people, which I am relatively certain is against the law. Um. Not 100%, but like 99% sure that's against yeah. the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he did, he can, he is still in trouble. I think it is if you um, wanted to press charges, meaning if you found out, you could press charges. Plus the Jules like, thing I, is definitely, yeah. like, you know, illegal. So, yeah, I mean, he's in trouble, like, no matter what. But I would be surprised if there were a bunch more minors in those tapes, because there was never any evidence that he was intentionally going for minors. Well, bye, Cal. Cal's going to look... Yeah, what next season we're going to be dealing with Cal in jail, like, fucking crazy. (laughs) Nate's completely, like, tethered, untethered from anything. I know, which sucks. I hope, I want to see both of them in orange jumpsuits, honestly. I want to see Nate 
in the fucking grave at this point. I mean, we can't overlook. It is a bummer because we've grown to like Kyle this season, but we can't overlook if that really is the case. Meaning, if he really was videoing all these like underage people, like that's. I mean, either gross. way, we know he was under. He was view. I'm sorry. Either way, we know he was videotaping people, people without their consent, which is definitely very fucked up. So. So what I will say is, and I mean this, I don't care if I get roasted. I did not know that he was videoing everyone with other consent. I thought Jules was like a weird well, one-off case. Are. I understand, but I thought those people were down. Like No, I don't think he... I mean, why would he make an exception for Jules? He I thought know. she was the same as everybody else. I'm saying I'm naive, I don't know. And I also didn't... The reason I think Jules is the only underage is because once he finds out at the carnival that Jules is underage, it's like this big, like... Yeah, I think she's the only underage, but he was videoing everybody without their consent. Also, oh my god, I'm sorry. Which did is you, very fucked. Did you so. just hear my phone buzz? That was Veronica Taylor literally DMing us. Yo, <laughs> what's up, girl? Anyways. Live. Live DM. No, I know, but that Read was... I'm just being just honest. Kidding, she messaged us just now, so... Well, that's hot. <laughs> She cool. must have just a couple hearts. That's sweet. Cool, Maybe cool, we can cool. get her on the pod. So I think after that, um, we move into a prolonged oh, section. Oh, I've got a lot to say about this. Really goes into depth on uh, Rue and Lexi's relationship even more so than we got last week. Yes. I wrote Rue's speech highlights in my notes because <laughs> I have a lot to say about this funeral speech. Well, hit, hit us, baby. Give me the notes. Okay, so... Yeah, this is where Paige starts shedding many tears. I, as we all know, if you listen to season one of our podcast, I always get the most emotional when it comes to Rue and her relationship with her father. Um, Obviously, because I lost my dad around the same age she did, so it's very relatable. Um, I'm not an addict, and I didn't go her route, but I think I did things similarly in a similar pattern, she did just not with drugs. Mm-hmm. So it's highly relatable. And I think a lot of our listeners out there that have gone through the trauma of losing their dad can relate as well. I mean, this must trigger something. It sure triggered me. I'm over here, like, sobbing. Alex is like, Ashtray. I'm like, uh, no, Rue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're both equally sad. But A child died, Paige. <clears throat> I okay, know. Have a little respect. But I, I did put, like, a couple serious notes about her speech that, like, really resonated with me because they just hit me, like, so directly with my personal experience of losing mm-hmm. my dad, which was, she said, my first thought was this feels like a movie. Alex knows this. I've told him many times. When my dad passed away, do I not always say that? That, like, every yeah. moment, it's like a still shot. It's like you black out so much of trauma but you also, like, at the same time, simultaneously remember certain parts of it so mm-hmm. specifically down to, like, what the person might be wearing that reacted to my dad dying. Right. How they reacted, what they said. I mean, just certain every little just get, like, weird thing. Burned into your memory. Weird details. Like, I remember, like, the hot, what the hospital looked like, but I don't remember, like, my dad's funeral. It's weird. I just, I remember right. certain things so detailed. So I really, like, appreciated the attention to detail on this and how Rue gave like her, like... Like what she's talking about with, like, the EMTs and stuff? Yes, yes. Like, just yep. the description of losing her father and what that looked like in real time mm-hmm. was just so relatable for me. Yeah. And I'm sure for many others out there. And I think that's yet another huge reason I fell in love with Euphoria in the first place and why I even do this podcast 
is season one touched me like so deeply with her like the whole end scene of the season finale of season one was like so impactful for me because you go through the whole show thinking it's just this fun high school show and then you're like holy shit the show has depth mm-hmm. now we've got season two and you're like yeah yes like the oh, show we got we've got some fucking depth so then I wrote, she wrote, it didn't feel real. This is it. This is the part where the character never recovers. The part where life takes them down. This is the scene that scars her forever. She's obviously referring to herself, but mm-hmm. I had a, I got super choked up. Like I can barely talk about it now. It's a tough topic because I just so heavily like relate to that. I feel like she was reading <laughs> my fucking speech that I gave at my dad's funeral. Like sincerely, like I mean that, like. She said it so perfectly. Like, this is the part where the character never recovers. I feel like people who go through deaths of a parent or anyone in their life, it is a time where you do, like, literally have that thought in the moment. Meaning, when you lose someone, sure, Mm -hmm. years from now, you, you might go, oh, I've come so far, things are a lot better, I've healed, blah, blah, blah. But, like, in the moment, you truly feel like you're not gonna recover. And some people don't recover. So that's what. Not, yeah, I was gonna say that. Like, um, I was so fortunate that I was. It's not dramatic or uh, no um, cheesy exaggeration or... to feel something like that in that moment. Some people really don't. So it's well, Rue's an example of that. Meaning, we don't know yet because Rue's future yet. still lies yeah. ahead. But we right. know that she's having a tough time. Yeah. Oh yeah. A very <laughs> tough time, I and I agreed upon. I think that part. Just, like, her whole speech just, once again, shows you, like, that she's still a kid in so many ways. Meaning, when you lose someone that young, when you're that young, it's... You don't really, like... You grow up in some ways, but you also lose a lot of your childhood, and you have to... You're expected to mature really fast and kind of move on with life, but it's tough. Meaning, like, some people move on, they mature, they go through life, which is kind of what I did. Like, I grew up really fast. Mm -hmm. Other people... They're like, just stay. Mm-hmm. They just stay there and they don't, it's not about growing up, right. but they just are still very childlike. Right. And I feel like that's what happened to Rue and it just breaks my yeah. heart watching her like in that scene, give her speech because you realize she really just had such a fucked up childhood losing her dad. Yeah, and I it's think that's, sad. Uh, that's very accurate. I mean, you either, I think you kind of either end up in this position of like survival stunted growth um or of like accelerated development and i mean i'm no expert but it doesn't seem like there's much middle ground it seems like people generally handle situations like that in one of those two ways um and neither are good no it's also really what i learned when i lost my dad is it's really important who you have around you during that time and rue if you think about it it's not that she didn't have anyone supportive, but she only she had her mom who was dealing with losing her husband and now is a single mom and Gia, who's like a literal child. That's the only family she had. Yeah. I so mean, she's kind of icy, you know what I mean though? Like she had a good support she system. Is, but... but even I think Rue had some there was some aspect <clears throat> of Rue that was gonna be drawn to the the drug life no matter what, I think. Oh really? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think any, like, particular social support system at that time really could have kept her out of it. Like, what, like, more family around was was going to do it? I mean, she had an incredibly supportive best friend. She had a great mom and a great sister. Yeah. And, but her dad's uh, death is what brought this on. I don't know if she'd be an addict without it. I think she no, says in that either. speech. But, that... I mean, I don't think anything after, post her dad's death, could have really mitigated her drug addiction. Oh, much. agreed, agreed. Um, I mean... 
I agree. Maybe there's some like weird miracle scenario where she's got no. like dream grandma that like is part of this world <laughs> and like really keeps no. her out of that. But like for the I most part, it seems like that was kind of like destined to uh, to be her her future at least for some time. Yeah, a hundred percent. I just think just her whole like speech was super impactful for me to hear because I don't know. It's just rare that good ass speech. For well, it's rare. I'll, I'll say, like, once again, Sam does such a good job. It's so rare that shows tell this story and show it in this way that's very raw, real. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's Like you said, it's not cheesy. I just feel like shows just butcher these moments. I of think course. I've seen some films that do it well, but TV shows for teenagers, not so much. Yeah, typically this is uh, not handled in the most realistic way um, because the realistic way isn't very sexy. No, and the realistic way looks a lot like this, you know. Well, and Alex knows this, and I'm sure trauma and degraded family relationships and yeah, (laughs) the shit. Well, and you know this about me. I watch. I mean, I watch so much TV. I have my whole life. (laughs) Like literally, any teen show that comes out, I'm on it, bad or good. I can say Euphoria, so far, my lifetime is the only show I have ever been able to relate to in terms of, like, losing my dad. Mm -hmm. So, kind of a personal moment for me there to even say that, but that's true. That's literally how I feel. Then she wrote, or she said to Lexi, which I love this moment of Lexi and Rue when they get together and hang out in Lexi's room. It's just like... Post-play. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. it's just... Once again, something we don't see too often, two characters that we love bonding over trauma. Like, really, really talking about it like real people would, not yeah. in a cheesy way. And I love that moment for them. And I, uh, Alex knows this about me because this is also very personal, but I like when Rue said, people used to say my dad died for a reason. That shit used to really piss me off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she said she wanted to strangle them. That was like yeah. my I biggest... Mean, a horrible thing to say. Horrible thing to say. Bad and, uh, timing. And nice that like she finds a way to like twist that into something mm-hmm. that is accurate, which is that you have to find the reason. Like I don't think yeah. that that's wrong. In She's, any way. I wrote that down. She said, "I think what they're actually saying is you have to give it a reason." Yes, um, and you're right. I, People don't yeah, know what to I mean, say too, which it be, is awkward. Learn to be more articulate or like shut your mouth because saying it was for a reason is horrible. I mean, that's just one of it's the just worst hurtful. things you could possibly say to someone at that time in their life, so... Well, and I grew up... that's the only thing you have to offer up, you can just shut the fuck up instead. Well, and I was raised Mormon, and everyone would say weird shit like, oh, your dad has a mission with Jesus in heaven, and it's like, Yeah, he's off fuck on the fucking you. star base, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, getting his own planet. It's, it's like, like, fuck off. But people would really say that to me, and it was so hurtful, because at the time I was Rue's age, I was a child, and it's hard... To fucking hear that when you're in your, like, your darkest moments, the last fucking thing you want to hear is there's a reason why your dad died. It's like so dark yeah. and awful. Yeah. So I thought that was like impactful that they brought that up because I hope other people like myself could relate in that moment and feel like validated in that anger because I think I was mm-hmm. shamed a lot for it growing up. It was like, you know, like have manners, like be nice. People just don't know what to say. And here's what I'll say is, 
sure, but also you're validated in being angry if you ever feel that way after losing a parent because it's such yeah. a hard well, path also, to navigate. It's not about them. Like, I'm sorry, but there are times in your life when it's just not about them. Like, they can get over whatever hurt feelings they have from you being pissed about their bullshit statements. Like, you, on the other hand, are going through, like, one of the most emotionally traumatizing things anyone can go through. So it's not fucking about them in that moment. Like, totally. But I just want to say that. Don't really I, care for, like, being polite to those people at that time. A hundred percent. I just think all the time whenever I watch Euphoria, I've always said that's why I love it. There's so much that I can relate to. And it, as much as it's dark, I relate to the dark shit. So it makes me feel, like, good. Mm-hmm. It makes me oddly feel good inside because it's like, oh, my God, it's like a breath of fresh air. Like, mm-hmm. other people feel this way? What? Like, yeah. They want to strangle people that come up to them and say your dad died for a reason. I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, I feel the same. Yeah, right. So I hope anyone else out there that's gone through that could, like, get a little, you know, a little hug out of that. Like, we really mm-hmm. brought that to light in a really, like, classy way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Her and Lexi. I should not cancel out Lexi. Yeah, Lexi I mean, too. Lexi has uh, also gone through, like, a, a loss. It's not the same loss, but it is, uh, it's similar. Significant, I mean, her, too. Her father is off who knows where, and she expressed that every day she fears getting, like, every time the phone rings, she fears that it's the call that, like, her dad's dead, you know, and... Uh, Which, no comparing, but what's worse? Live. Yeah, that's, like, anxiety daily, you know, versus, I, like... Yeah, I don't want to... I'm not going to comment on, like, what's worse no, or not worse. No. I can't even imagine which is worse or not, and I hope I never find out. But it is uh, undeniably, like, awful and a horrible, like, way to have to live, and it's very much a loss. Um, so she does have, like, common ground that she can commiserate with Rue on. Um, yeah. Which is yeah. awful. Like, you hate seeing that for Lexi, because we've just... We've seen such a great, like, episode with her really just being so vulnerable and showing us so much more of what she's going through. And that part made me really sad. She's clearly really going through it. And we don't get to, like, see that. You know, we just see Mm -hmm. the Bob Ross and, like, the funny parts of Lexi. But it's, like, she's having to deal with, like, being scared hearing the phone ring. Like, yeah, totally. That's awful. You don't wish that on any, like, like I said, I keep saying child, but it's true. Like, even though they're in high school, you're still a fucking child yeah, in high children. school. It's sad. Um, I thought it was nice that they planted the seeds through this whole conversation. Um, an episode especially with uh, Rue trying... Rue having, like, a desire to turn her life into some form of art as well. Um, mm-hmm. They make a point, like, in the post-episode, like, little little thing they do to point out that, like, this is based on, like, Sam's life and how he turned, like, his experiences into this show. And they really plant the seeds here with Rue being, like, so, like, amazed that Lexi was able to turn, like, her life experience and her trauma and stuff into this play that Rue found so, like, impactful and beautiful and meaningful to her. Oh yeah, what you, you disagree? <laughs> Meatball yeah, disagrees. Meatball's like, you have the worst theory ever, Alex. Shut the hell up, bitch. <laughs> He's like, bitch, you better be joking. Go eat your coffee. <laughs> Just kidding, I love you. Um, but yeah, like you know, no, um, that's actually really cool. She gets that you... the seed planted. That it seems it seems like Rue has some kind of like fire under her ass after this episode to do something similar, and it's because of the impact that Lexi's play made on her. And she sees, like, wow, like, she took all this, the shit that's happened to her and turned it into something so meaningful. And it seems like she comes away from that feeling like she could do the same and has some 
a little bit of hope some sort of motivation to do that moving forward that's Um, cool that you picked out the the part about sam creating euphoria that's a good parallel i would never have thought of it that way i was thinking the same thing you said though where she has like a fire under her ass and even when she walks out of the place she's got like a certain walk to her that you're hoping maybe this means she's you know gonna try something new next season (laughs) instead of just drugs and you know for some people like that thing that can bring you out of like this life really is art not for everybody but for some people and yeah uh, it gives like a it's a little bit of like maybe this is what season three can be is like rue exploring that to some degree she clearly has artistic people in her life that could be um supportive and guiding in certain ways and and uh, maybe that's a little bit of what we're going to see from her in the future. I don't know. And Lexi's the best friend you could ever have. I mean, she's just a shining star. Of course. Great to see. Great to see them together. I know. Um, and I think we will get more of them in season we're, three. It sucks that shortly after this, they're going to have to find out about Fez if they haven't already. I don't. We don't even know Like while this is taking place. We really um, don't know. I also like Ruse leaning up against that like dollhouse weird Locked dresser that we were talking about yeah i kept looking at that <laughs> what does that mean it means the bathroom i think wait really why is that on yeah, that sure. that's so weird i, I don't that know. prop is cool though <laughs> i, I really like that i don't know but i do like the the whole thing yeah it's i don't cool. even know what it is but i like it i'm guessing it's like a piece that you, that was supposed to go in a bathroom in a bathroom weird Probably. but also where is cassie living at this time <laughs> Obviously not at the house, but not well, with Nate either. She could be on a walk. Oh, Maybe nice. she's in the backyard yeah. looking for oh, those she... kitchen knives. I mean, there's no way her and Lexi are sleeping <laughs> in the same bedroom at this point in time. So Lexi being no. there means Cassie's gone. Who that was really where? funny that when Rue said, wouldn't it be funny if Cassie liked the play more than me or something? She was like, I'm that surprised was super you liked funny. it. Yeah. She's like, hey, you didn't fuck up because the opposite is Cassie likes the play and I hate it. And yeah. That's, that's by far, like, objectionably, like, a worst result. Totally. Like, horrible. But yeah, and I think it meant so much to Lexi to hear from Rue directly like this that it, the play meant so much to her because... You can tell that Lexi really did center a lot of the play. I know it was called Our Life, but, like, it was a lot around Rue, like, in their friendship. I feel like that was, like, which is why I thought Cassie was such a bitch and annoying to make it all about her. Because it's like, you dumbass. This is honestly mostly about, like, the friend group and, like, Rue and what she went. You know, I don't know. It just wasn't all about her. Cassie can't take a little. She can't take a little heat. A little critique. No. Well, it wasn't a little. You can't critique, take a little still. tomfoolery, you know, a little gesturing. It's like Lexi. Uh, Lexi gets the gestures pass, you know. She's, yeah. Uh, she's in a position where she's allowed to lampoon the king and get away with it. Totally. And Cassie's trying to call her on that shit. It's like no, you know, I agree. Sorry, sweaty. Yeah. You got to deal with it. But such a tender moment. So great for Rue and Lexi. Love it. Rexy. Yeah. Let's see it season three. <laughs> Rexy. Yeah, I mean, it certainly <laughs> seems like their friendship is, like, rekindled and will be a significant part of the next season. Excited uh, for that. And then we move on to Rue's other, you know, major relationship with Jules. And... I don't like this one as much. I don't know about you, Alex. I don't like this one as much because I am, ugh. I, I have thoughts. Who wants to go first, though? <laughs> Um, go. Go for it. I said, I literally wrote down, so I wrote down, I'm not kidding you, my drunken little notes here on my notepad, I said, Rue and Jules moment makes me so sad, but I understand, because 
<laughs> and I put a bunch of sad faces. Look, but I understand. Sad oh face, God. sad face. Oh and the reason I say I understand. I'm glad is that you're taking notes with like emoji. <laughs> I had to because that's just how I express myself. Yeah. So, when I what I mean by that is. I guess I am, once again, naive. I thought maybe in this moment, Rue and Jules would have some sort of romantic rekindle and I'd walk away from this going, thank God, like, they're still together. Because I'm such a rules stan. Mm-hmm. But oddly enough, a part of me was like, I don't know, though, the look back to Elliot was a little too, like, she seems not interested I don't want to put that out there because I think her and Elliot are in a good place, meaning they had that moment and it was very tender. I don't think it was romantic, but a part of me thinks she kind of is crushing on Elliot. I'm going to put it into the universe. I thought that look back was a little bit like, Hmm. I don't know. He did the head nod and when you head nod someone, it's kind of flirtatious. And she kind of looked like a little like, oh, like happy Mm. about it. But I'm not saying, like, that's for sure. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying a part of Mm -hmm. me, though, is, like, so if she's over Jules, like, what's next? I don't know, maybe Elliot. But uh... let me finish, though. All I will say is I'm heartbroken. When she kisses Jules on the forehead, I'm sorry, but if you kiss someone on the forehead, you're done. My thoughts were, ugh, that's, like, the sign of a breakup. Not Mm. forever. Not Rules is done forever, but for now and moving into season three, I think they will be on a break. Hmm. Well, well, I they are. She that. pretty much says it. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that much. Um, but a kiss on the forehead is never a good thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's like what you do to your sibling. You're like, Mwah. well, I don't know. I guess so... <laughs> you know what I mean. Like if I kissed you on your forehead and walked away, you'd be like, what? <laughs> uh I don't know. The way I see it at this point, I mean, obviously, the big question is like, is this the end of like of rules? Rules. Um, no. I think I refuse. it remains <laughs> to be seen, but I think that this step means that it is the end for now. Not I'm not going to say long term, but I think that this episode leaves us on like a surprisingly like hopeful note about Rue. And for her right now, that means focusing on herself. Like, yes. it's like cliche but that's why as I wrote, that is. I understand with like, sad do emojis. I don't I... think she's going for Elliot. I think that was like very like friendly. Like, we have peace. Well, like, don't put it like that. Now. I said I just had a little feeling. That's not why. I said it, the reason I put I understand with sad faces is because I understand that she has to make room for herself in this tough time. Yeah, I think it's the way I read all of this is that like, with Elliot, like, it's cool, like, yeah, they're, they're probably, homies. I think they're probably gonna go different directions, but maybe not, maybe a friendship will persist, but I didn't really read much, like, romance in that, personally. Okay. The thing with Jules, I read very much as, like, Rue is, like, just doesn't have the space or the emotion, yeah. emotional capacity to, like, be involved with this in any way at this time, and she has nothing Which is a bummer, because Rue was the one but, like, all in in the beginning and wanted it, but then I, I like know. that she said I wrote down... She thinks she was too high for most of the relationship. She was high for, like, half the relationship, at least. Yeah, I mean, I think that she has, uh, like like we said, I think she really needs the time to, like, deal with her Yeah, but think about tragic. That is for Jules. Be with herself for the moment. um, And isn't really, like, emotionally... She just doesn't have the space to be emotionally invested in Jules right now, which is fine. I know. Um... But can we think of how tragic that is for Jules for a second? Because yes, awful. For Jules, she Something was sucks. sober through their whole relationship, and this was like a very real moment. So 
I guess that's she's where I felt sad. She's put up with sad. a lot of shit. Like, yeah. For sure. She's put up with a ton of shit from, from Rue. Like, yeah. Big time. But not just that. She really... She, that's like... They both kind of talk about each other like being their first love. So that's really sad that like your first love... Not to her face, but admits out loud in the narration that she's was high for most of it. And she hopes Jules will forgive her for that. Totally. I thought that was so sad because I'm like... The part of Paige that just, like, loves the rules relationship, that broke my heart to hear. Because it's like, I knew it deep down, but hearing it out loud is really tough. Because you want to believe the fantasy, right? The fantastical part of Euphoria that paints this romance as perfect and fantasy. and And I still think it's possible. Like, I mean... If there's one thing this show does, it's subvert expectations. I think yes. this season has really shown us that. I don't think that anyone expected the finale of season one to end on a hopeful, sober moment for Rue. No. Um, by any means. So... Who knows what this is? Yeah, I mean, I think that... Like, yeah, this, this finale was probably, like, not generally what... The whole season generally was not what people expected, I think. Um, it sidelined a lot of stories people thought would be front and center. It brought other stories to the forefront. It did all kinds of things that were not yeah. what everyone was expecting. Focused on and characters it, we never thought would be in the spotlight. And I think spotlight. it worked like, exceptionally well. So when I think about what's next, it's like, who knows? Um, I agree. But, like, yeah, I mean, who thought this episode... Who thought that season two was going to end on a high note for Rue of, like, sobriety? She's like... Not only in that moment, but she's like, I stayed sober for the rest of the school year. Because it was uh, just too hard to do anything else. So there's That's like what she some, said. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. There's some like, implication of like future events. So I think that there is still hope for them in the future. But Agreed. Well, I'll end, I'll end like the recap. We can keep talking, but I did want to know what she says at the very end because I thought it was impactful and I just liked how the episode literally ended in the script, which is... She said, I don't know if this feeling will last forever, but I am trying. I remember Ollie once said, the thought of maybe being a good person is what keeps me trying to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something to that. That's how the episode ends. I thought, the thought of maybe being a good person is what keeps me trying to be a good person. That's... Mm-hmm. A impactful way to end the episode because yeah, everyone be can relate to, to that drug Rue addict has to be or able not. To conceive of just the possibility of being a good person, like that, has to be on the table for her as even like a possibility for her to try to be good. And yeah, yes. I mean, I think so much of this episode was about Rue coming to like the conclusion that she needs to um, do it for herself. Like there was the whole yes. thing with Cassie's. I think the the part about Cassie's dad was very telling, where Rue says, you know, like. He fails every time because he's trying to be better for you, but not for himself. And that's never yes. going to work. And that's what she's been trying to do. She's for been Jules, to, for her she's family. She's been trying to be better for Jules and for Gia and her mom. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's not working. I'll leave she comes away sometimes. from this episode with some feeling of like trying to be good for herself. And that's the only way that she's ever going to achieve any success. And as we know, that's always the hardest part with anything in life, not just drugs. Of course. It's always hard to love yourself and treat yourself how you would treat your best friends and your family. It's it's a tough Yeah, that was a battle. big, uh, I think that was like the big, uh, one of the biggest takeaways from this episode is that shift for Rue. Um, Which being is able to view her in a different light through Lexi's play 
and being able to have more like empathy for herself and yes. being able to go forward like maybe doing it for her instead of for other people um giving Ruba a chance to see herself as a human who experienced intense trauma mm-hmm. rather than seeing herself as bad person who does drugs yep very different things yeah so just so deep i mean Another so, thing I'll say so is on that note of just ending so beautifully, I think all too often, as much as we talk about it, I tend to forget that this is Sam's story. And I think he just really, I just could give him all the props in the world. This is not like an easy tale to tell. And he just does it in such a beautiful way that really like just is so captivating. It's clearly caught fucking everyone in the world everyone's watching euphoria i mean it's been the number one trending thing on twitter this entire season mm-hmm. it's crazy how much the audience has grown so i just think it's beautiful like you said i didn't even draw that parallel but it's cool that someone who literally in real life suffered so much is able to create something that's like <laughs> being viewed by the whole fucking world and like loved by the world it's cool yeah absolutely. like so cheesy because i'm drinking and i'm drunk but i'm like thinking about what you said and i'm like wow like sam must feel so proud he should at least i hope he does proud of himself like for not only like overcoming addiction but making like such a fucking awesome show that we like are literally making a podcast about that's crazy yeah absolutely nuts um so i think a a good way to wrap up would be if we reflect back on the title at the end of this episode and it's kind of this ode to uh to mad love and true love and whatnot like who do we think that that love is directed towards based on the episode true love and mad love well just you know like those statements about like it was this uh defiance of the idea that love erodes over time and this real like ode to like Breton's lover uh, i hope not nate and cassie <laughs> <laughs> well i mean more in terms of like rue like i guess i'm thinking about it like um is this scene as like a sign of like future hope for the rue and jules relationship i think probably not um you could view it as um the love between like rue and lexi um like a true friendship type of love um which i I could see because of the play and like them rekindling that could be impactful or i think you can view it the way i guess i would probably most interpret it as like a love towards like oneself like a true like self-love which it seems like rue is like growing towards that place by the end of the episode oh that's Um, good i like that let's stick with that (laughs) discovering like some kind of like new like empathy and love for herself which will be instrumental in her like moving forward in life if she does um and it seems like given the ambiguity of the rude jewels relationship maybe it's not so like surface level that it's just about like their undying love we don't really know where they're gonna go um and maybe at this point it's just about rue loving herself I hope but so. I don't know. I'd be interested on your thoughts on that. No, I that title. I mean, sure, I'm sure the title's like significant yeah. and specific for a reason. No, I agree. I don't know if I'd pick anything other than that. I think you put it perfectly. I hope it's. I really hope it's Rue with herself. That's the ideal situation. I mean, on the other hand, the Rue and Jules though is a literal reference to uh, an ode to someone's lover. So it yeah. could be some kind of like hopeful. I hope it's potential Rue future for Rue and Jules. I don't yeah. Know. I, I like you think that 
we're not done with Rune Jewels. I think there is room for season three to be a little more tension. I think the whole Elliot triangle is still left a little unsaid, meaning, like, who knows? Jules and Elliot might still have some kind of, I don't know, not relationship, but they might be driven more toward each other because of Rue and her not really being together anymore. And they were like, they had some chemistry. Mm-hmm. Who knows? So I just think there's a lot of, but mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't see that being a forever thing. I'm just the, the row, what do you call it? Like, I, the romantic in me is like, there just has to be rules. It's mm-hmm. gotta be rules or else, you know, but that's also like, I'm just ride or die rules no matter what. Well. So I'm going to go with, it's Rue with herself. I like that idea. Cool. I really cool, do. Cool. Right, and I want nice. what's best for Rue. She looks so. I saw a funny tweet, but it it was like funny but cute. But they were like, "We love Rue," and she's like clean and sober. Look at her, and it was like a picture of her like smiling, and she was all like makeup off, like cute. Okay. <laughs> I know, but I was like, me too. Uh, I love like a clean Rue. Twitter who's, like, loves a clean Rue. I love a clean Rue. Clean, clean, not clean, queen, clean. A clean queen. Like sober, yeah, a clean queen. I love Twi- it. <laughs> Twitter loves. We love a clean, clean queen. queen. <laughs> we love it. Uh-huh. All <laughs> I right, need some more champs right. before we like yeah. go into superlatives. We're talking about that, I guess. I know. Gosh, but what a good episode. Oh, I was gonna ask you before we do superlatives. I already know the answer, but better finale, season one or season two? Um, season two. Duh. I like everything about season two better than season one. Every single episode I like 20 times more, except maybe episode two, the super weak one. As far as, uh, no, I feel like anything I say is just me just talking drunkenly, but I already said this last week. I think season one for me is so nostalgic because it was so impactful. It was so new. And I know it sounds very hipster of me, but it's, like, not everyone was, like, involved. It felt more personal because, like, it wasn't the whole world watching it. It was more of a niche group loving Euphoria. Mm-hmm. It's now become, like, who the fuck isn't watching Euphoria. So yeah. I just hold a special place in my heart for season one. So yeah, okay. And the finale caught me way off guard in season one. It was, like, such a wow moment. This was uh, just as good, meaning equal. But season one just has a tiny bit more for nostalgia for me. That's interesting. In general, um, I guess this is a, a good moment to capture. What are your uh, your reflections on season two? I think mine Amazing. are a little more obvious. But Intense. How, how do you feel about it? Yours are probably a yeah different obvious. than yours. I think, like I said, season one was to most people more lighthearted, this or that. If anything, for me, it was opposite. It was like dark and just as intense as this season not intense in the action and what's actually going on intense emotionally is what i'm getting at like i like i told you this was the first show i've ever seen and i really mean this so honestly the first show i have ever related to personally in terms of like dealing with my dad's death so seeing that on screen was like me watching lexi's play it was like Mm -hmm. ah this is scary i don't like this but i love it does that make sense like i couldn't not watch it it was so yeah intriguing and different and captivating so Mm -hmm. i don't know but goddamn season two is just fucking fantastic i mean season two is like academy award-winning content so 
I, I would have to say, logically, season two is the better season. Uh, my brain says season two, my heart says season one. That's what I'm going to go with. Well said, you know. Fair, Fair enough. What about you? Obviously, um, season two. I mean, I think my thoughts are far more obvious throughout the whole season. Season one but never why? did. I know they're obvious, but like, what are the most specific points and why, I guess? Like... Um, I think like part of what I said earlier, season two subverted expectations. One of my biggest concerns was that it would follow traditional high school show plot lines, but try to be some kind of like elevated version of that. Um, and season two went in a completely different direction and really did away with a lot of the like high school drama. I think the big one was like obviously the Maddie Cassie thing mm-hmm. and that didn't bother me in any way. It was not, uh, it wasn't done in like the classic, like, you know, teen soap style. No. Um, and there was a lot more going on. The Rue Jules relationship, um, went in ways I didn't expect, and was well handled um, and didn't just become some like prolonged will they won't they type thing. No, it also was not the focus um, at all this season. Like really, like yeah. their relationship was not, but not in a bad way, but it just wasn't the focal point. Yeah. And characters I traditionally like less were sidelined more while t- characters I really resonated with in season one were became like more primary. So I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's it generally, good to bring up. I didn't think of that. It generally just uh, it just had more going on for me. Plot wise, yeah. it was uh, the stakes were higher and it was done well. It was far more experimental. We got yeah all the greatness of like the season one like weird asides and like little like fun short yeah. sequences, anime sequences, and Detective Rue and all that um, was just done bigger and better in season two. Agreed. Um, which I loved. I mean, the whole, the last two episodes were, like, centered around, like, a play, like, yeah, you know, very meta, not what I was expecting. I also um, feel like you and I had so many thoughts during quarantine and the whole, like, COVID experience. You and I were like, gosh, is this going to make season two worse? Because Sam might be, like, overanalyzing every little thing, because that's what mm-hmm. you would do, right? As a director, yeah, you right. might go... Ah, I don't know if that's good. Let's well, change this. Well, I'm sure this. he did, and I. Uh, but I think it came I, out for the case, better. Is my point. Out for the better. I <laughs> yeah. liked the look of it better too. Um, the look of season one, very as much as I can get down on some neon, it was kind of very like cold and a little dreary. Season two was very warm, very like golden. The film. A lot of it was like that film. <laughs> a lot of like golden hues, uh, which I appreciated. Uh-huh. The. Uh, the more like cold neon kind of wears on me um over time it kind of feel can feel a little depressing yeah uh, i mean the whole show is depressing but i liked that in this season at least the depression was golden hued instead of well, we both, cold and icy we both also have to admit that the acting was extremely elevated as well i think that's something else to point out in season two it seems like everyone like mm-hmm. fucking upped their game like Yep. Where I can, the only place where I can find fault is, uh, I think the, uh, I did miss a little bit that season one, the music was stacked. Like, every episode was, like, ten, ten, like, killer songs. Yes. Like, uh, I missed out on that a little bit in this season. And you know what I, I will uh, say I think is... I also maybe missed out on the style a little bit in this season, even though I didn't love all of it. The, the big, like, flashy, like, party style being so present in season one was very fun. And this season was a little more subdued naturally because of the storylines. But Totally. 
the other thing I was going to say, though, is maybe you agree or disagree, but I was going to say I think Labyrinth's score, though, in this was better. I thought, like, the orchestra throughout this entire season finale was beautiful. Like, all the play... Because you have to remember that's all Labyrinth. All the, like... Well, not all of it. Some of those are... Um, but, like, during the play, other... a lot of that was his. Yeah, yeah. And Much I, of it was, I'm yes. saying it's not, like... You always joke you don't love, which is fine. It's an acquired taste, but you don't love the all, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you don't like the gospel-y stuff. So I thought a lot of his was a lot more subdued this season. I'm kind of ambivalent on that front. You I know it was, was, though. Like, season one similar. was hardcore, like, very labyrinth-heavy. Like, every song was... I found it similar. And not... Really? Yeah. I feel like because it was such worst, a more subdued but... season, you barely ever heard all the, like, whoop, whoop, mm. whoop. It, like, doesn't happen as often. Yeah. All right. It was a little more calm. Well, anyhow, there we go. Shall we, uh, shall we... We have to do superlatives, Move yeah. on to our superlatives and close out the last episode of season two? Fuck, I know I'm dragging on our conversations because I don't want to be we done. We got our superlatives and we got our change our minds and then this shit is over. So let's okay, get to let's it. let's go. Best dressed and worst dressed. For me, they're just holdovers from last week. It's just Fez and Cassie again. We don't really get much news. So I said please Maddie. Please let me know if you feel otherwise. I said Maddie. I liked her nails when she put the coke on her heel and was like healing her like whatever mm-hmm. scar. I liked her nails and her like puke green like onesie. And she had the little, <laughs> how do you pronounce the designer? She had the Jacquemus. Jacquemus. She had the tiny green bag that matched her onesie. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right, so please call me out. Jacquemus. Frenchies. If sure. I'm pronouncing Jacquemus wrong. It was like the Shrek green me. vibes. I just, I liked it. And I thought her makeup was great, so I thought that whole, like, outfit was really mm-hmm. good. So okay. that was cool. mine. Worst dressed? Are you Cassie Cassie. Again? She looked okay. like the Joker. All right, so how about your, your bae? My bae. Honestly, I I know who you're going to pick, probably, but I said... Oh, God, I put three. I put Ashtray, Rue, and Faye. But I said Rue for starting the Lexi chant. I thought that was a very, like, heroic moment. Uh-huh. Yeah, I really had a hard time choosing one. I mean, there's Rue for a lot of reasons. Faye for the, the hookup with the yep. mic, even yep. though it doesn't amount to much. Um... I think my ultimate choice is Fez because he was at a drop, like ready to do anything and everything oh, to take the I heat. Should have said Fez. He was ready to take the heat for the whole thing. He didn't get the chance, but he was about to both attend Lexi's sweet play and then take the heat for the for the mouse murder to protect Ashtray, even though he didn't get the chance. But so. Ashtray just like I had to. And give obviously, him. you know, Ashtray went out with Grace. <laughs> took a took a pig with him. I mean, I don't know if it's Grace shooting someone in the chest, but you know. Yeah, he was swat. It's fine. <laughs> so, Bay of the episode, I said. Oh, we already said that. We just said Bay. Oh Be- we're on to the the big purple dirty rat bastard. <laughs> this is why obviously. I don't drink this much cooks. Okay, I said Cassie. Duh, she sucks. I got an eight this episode. I think uh, it's utterly, uh, I think it's utterly petty and distasteful that he's sending Cal up as if he is in the moral high ground given his numerous despicable, disgusting crimes that are just as bad, if not worse, than anything Cal's ever done. For him to try to act like he has some kind of moral superiority in this situation. Uh, I found particularly disgusting. That's a good point. I just I didn't put Cassie for obvious reasons. I put for particularly putting Lexi down in her highest moment. Yeah, thought it was low as fuck, and 
she just should have like saved that for like an at home fight and not accosted and humiliated her in front of the school she has no sense but yeah Yeah, (laughs) she should have um, all right, class clown. I think we can probably both agree on this one. BB. But it's BB. BB. She only gets BB. like five BB. seconds of screen BB. time, but she uses it well. She spits out a great one liner and then takes a giant puff on the jewel. So and that was a cool shot. I just loved everything about, about it. That? Um, okay, cool. And then the song. Um, what do you got? I said, <laughs> Alex and I were laughing. I I actually mean it. I love the end credit song. It's Labyrinth and Zendaya. But the title has not yet been released because we're literally recording this five mm. minutes after we watched the episode. So I jokingly said the song is called Hey Lord because they say that the most. Hey Lord. <laughs> hey Lord. Hey, hey Lord. You listen here. <laughs> hey Lord. <laughs> so I'm calling it Hey Lord. And if tomorrow it's called something else, I don't know. Fuck yeah, it. Okay. Roast me online. Give us all the reviews. <laughs> okay, cool. And my technical choice is Can't Get You Out of My Head by Kylie Minogue, only because it's so great. But a very close second up was Uno Que Grita Amore by Ennio Morricone, um, who is like probably my favorite composer. He's very famous for his spaghetti western scores, but I think his non-spaghetti western scores are just as good, if not better. Um, especially Danger Diabolic. But this one is from a movie cool. called uh, The Love Circle. Or the uh, the literal translation from Italian is, let's say, An Evening for Dinner, which is a movie about, like, five, like, uh, five rich, fancy people, like, boning each other because they're bored. <laughs> um, but the title of the song, oh, good. <laughs> translated to English, means uh, One Who Shouts Love. Oh, and okay. uh, it's very... Um, I found it theatrical, not in like the big dramatic way, but in like literally like it feels like a song that should be played during a play, which it was. Um, Perfect. Very strings heavy, very pretty, great song. So even though Can't Get You Out of My Head is unbeatable, um, this is also a great, a great use of this song, of a particularly good, uh, and that's a deep cut. Like, I mean, I listen, I love this guy and listen to all his scores. I've never even, like, heard of this movie. This is, like, some, like, you know, art house Italian shit from the late 60s, I think. Cool. It's, like, you know, whatever. But great song. Amazing. Beautiful. Wow. I can't believe that's the end of Superlatives for season two. That's it. All we have left is... Change our minds, bitch. Change our minds, I'll cheers to that. Yeah, there you go. All right. Change our fucking minds. I'll start... Hey, you know, a big cheers to anyone that can change our minds. Anyone that can and has changed our minds throughout yeah, the season, here's to yeah. you. Because it happened, and uh, I respect it. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Like this one. This yeah, is very idiots. important. <laughs> My mind changes all Paige, the time. Leslie was eating ice cream from a small white bowl last episode. Yeah, I don't know what the hell you were talking about. <laughs> talking about some tuna out of a can shit. I that thought was just she was cream. eating beans Yeah, or get tuna. out of here. Whatever. Your mind has changed. My mind has changed. I've now learned that Leslie was indeed eating ice cream. Yeah. Okay. What else? We got a really cool email. I'm just going to read it. And this is all in regards to last episode. Yes. So, hi. Just a note regarding Nate looking in the mirror. It is a reference to the painting, and when they say looking in the mirror, mm-hmm. they mean when, when he's, he's looking jewels. at his own, at the back of himself in the mirror. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is a reference to the painting not to be reproduced by French painter Magritte. Mm-hmm. 
This surrealist painting is a portrait of a friend on Magritte, the poet Edward James. The book on the mantle is a copy of Edgar Allan Poe's The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym. This goes well with the surreal, dreamlike horror slash David Lynchy vibe, but also to me it strongly refers to Nate's fear of looking at his real self. It's been nice listening to you from Tel Aviv. Oh, so beautiful. sweet. A perfect beautiful. change our minds, bitch. Even though it's not really a change our minds. It's I so appreciate the write-in. Um, that's something I should have caught, given that there's been other references to Magritte throughout the season. Um, but absolutely right. Um, well said. And, you know, continuing the Surrealist theme, this week's episode was tied to Andre Breton and Surrealism. So... Great call. Clearly, there was uh, some significant influence for Sam throughout the season to include so many references to various surrealist pieces. Yeah. Um, and yeah, absolutely. 100% right. Amazing to the detail. And they also included an image of the painting, which I thought was so cool because I know you've Thanks seen it listening. and you immediately knew, but I did not. So I I loved getting that. That was like a highlight. Yep. Yeah. So thank you. Great call. Thank you. Okay. Next, change our minds. So, this is, I won't say names, so this person also emailed in. They said, Nate Jacobs was correct on the scene being homophobic in Lexi's play. No matter how terrible the person is, outing someone to the entire school is incredibly fucked up. Lexi overheard that Nate had dick pics on his phone and used that in her play. Maddie called Lexi a quote-unquote fucking G because Maddie understood she was outing Nate as gay after hearing her tell Cassie about the dick pics. There are many other ways Lexi could have embarrassed Nate in the play, but outing him and essentially making fun of him for being gay is, in fact, homophobic. So, that's the end of that. But, to be Mm -hmm. clear, this person was not, like, commenting on us saying anything wrong. I think they were just more commentating on the fact that Maybe it's not so funny that people were saying that line was, you know, for comical Uh, purposes. I dis I understand the point and appreciate the write-in very much. Um, I disagree only because I think to the school at large, um, this can be understood. This is probably best understood as a lampooning of um, the homoeroticism of high school sports, of football. Um, and I don't think that this, like, big gay musical number reads as, like, hey, everyone, like, Nate is gay. I think it reads more, and, like, oh, you should all be, like, oh, what? Nate's gay. I think it reads more, like, hey, the whole football team, including Nate, and him as, like, the most prominent member of the football team, are, like... A little... Like, they're them and their, like, rituals and whatnot, are worthy of, like, satire and lampooning. Yes. And they're hyper-masculine, and in their hyper-masculinity, they offer, they often, like, stray into, like, you know, homoeroticism. It's also, like, they're all, including Nate, meaning the jocks in general, are often at, meaning in this particular fictional story, they're all bullies. Like, they're all, like... The jock, yes. like classic. But I mean, the point is, it doesn't matter how bad. But you're they saying are. they're it's lampooning them. I'm saying they're lampooning them because they bully others when they're being just as like. Right, right, right. right. As like, uh, like when he's joking, he's like, "My pecs are so hard." It's like you can't bully someone who's gay. Like meaning, okay, for instance, Nate at the party, saying Jules saying she's a freak. Remember, he's like, "Yeah, what the right. fuck are you doing at my party?" Like calling 
her out and making her out to be this like crazy person mm-hmm. it's like oh come on my dude you're like out there like rubbing your pecs during your workout yeah, like right. you can't even like hold a knife to jewels and act like she's so weird for wearing like cool clothes right and being I, herself yes. when you're like rubbing your pecs in the locker room like the way in which i understand satire, this like you and said. in which i think the high school body would understand this is as a critique and like uh you know a poking fun at of the the male like sports yes like, i don't think that this is generally going to be viewed as like hey everyone look like nate jacobs specifically is gay it's kind of just like hey football's gay in general like this whole <laughs> idea of all these dudes naked in the locker room together like rubbing their bodies together and you know showering bark, together barking yeah. and showering is like pretty gay like i don't think it's that like he's been no. outed like he's out of the closet no. in front of the whole school because of this play and i don't think that was so, like his intention like his intention was highlighting that. yeah the satire right. of high school like you said like she's a lot more mature and smart than that right she wasn't doing this to like same with her sister i genuinely mean that like she knew this was gonna hurt feelings but she wasn't doing this with intent to like yeah right fucking accost and humiliate people it was to show like proper satire in high school of people who are overly conceited like her sister mm-hmm. you know and yeah, like I agree. yeah so just... i see i see the point but i disagree in that i don't think that was the way it would be interpreted and if it was that or way then the, yes or i also don't think it was the way it was intended but our listener would be right in that if that was the intent then yes that would be like considered offensive and a little bit Meaning you should never out someone in a play. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. But in this case, I don't think it's I think it's also worth marriage. noting that to most of the school, like, these, like, insane interpersonal relationships and characters are probably, like, completely, like, obfuscated. Like, I don't think anyone... I don't think much of the school is, like, completely in the know about who every one of these characters represents. And, totally. like... I'm sure, like, there's plenty of people that do get it and understand the references. Yeah. But, like, you're talking about a school, a whole school. Like, they're not all expected to know, like, these 12 main characters and the intricacies <laughs> yeah. of their life and who these doppelgangers <laughs> represent and this whole thing. Yeah, it's, like, it's kind of it. These are just regular-ass students for the most part. They don't know what the fuck this all represents. They just get that it's the football team. The football team's gay. Like, haha. Yeah, it's Move just on. satire. It's just fun and it's fictional and it's all good. Yep. All right. What that's else? it that's it oh shit Jeez. well that's it for like change our minds <laughs> all right well i mean that's it for uh, the whole season stop that's I it that's it. Hate it that is and it we through two bottles of champagne this episode which is fitting for two hours of content yeah the cocktail this episode was the just champagne the finale fuck up which is just drink two bottles of champagne <laughs> <laughs> in a short period of time yes that's it yep cool well jesus wow yeah i don't really have many like words we ended it well like that's it like well we do uh you should all stay tuned well yeah i didn't mean that but i'm saying other than that like the recap is done that's it but yeah what i will say euphorians is although the season is over and we just did our eight episode recap it's not over for that so euphoric it's over for HBO's Euphoria, but it's not over for that so euphoric. We've got some really fun things planned. I don't want to say anything, especially drunkenly, to give anything away, so I'll keep it kind of vague, but we absolutely have things planned. The season for us is not over, so stay tuned. 
Alex and I will be posting on social media to let you know what's next. But other than that, we are done, obviously, with episode recaps. But we've got some really cool shit coming yeah. your way. We're not Fuck done. Yeah. Watch the Insta. We've you're got some fun stuff coming for you our, very soon. We're gonna have to, you're going to have to listen to our fried vocal voices for longer. Yeah. You're going to have to listen to me yelling over Alex and us fighting over opinions on Euphoria. It's just we're not done. Yeah, pretty much. We've got a lot more fighting to do. <laughs> we have a lot more fighting to do. <laughs> yeah. Good fighting, though. Yeah. I'm Good debate. But yes, we are very excited. And once again, such an amazing season. We thank you all so, so much for just always participating, writing in. I can't tell you how many submissions we've had that I would just love to read them all on the podcast, but we just don't always have the time. But they are just so valued. We are so thankful that you all enjoy a show as much as we do. The season's been bomb as fuck. We yeah. just are so thankful for all of you, though, and you just make this so much fun. So yeah, absolutely. All in on Thank a good note. I think we can cheers. Written in the season, we'll give it the old. Uh, here we go. We'll give it the old cheers to a great season and to our euphorians. That's a euphoric. That is so euphoric. We will see you at some Tuesday. Maybe not next Tuesday. At but some soon. Tuesday. And in the, in stay tuned on future. social. It could be sooner. It could be later. Who knows? <laughs> but we love you. Happy Euphoria Day. Like today's episode? Great. We love that for you. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a podcast review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever the fuck you listen to us weekly. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at so underscore euphoric for all the euphoria updates you could ever possibly want in your life. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out, bitches.